Hello, everybody, and thank you once again for tuning back in to Defining the Dash. It's been wonderful getting to hear Brother Philip Morris's testimony, and we hope it's been a blessing to you. We're going to pick back up this week and, and listen to the remainder of that, and we hope you're enjoying it. Be sure to leave us a comment um, and, and and let us know uh, what you've been thinking of, of the podcast and, and of Brother Philip's testimony. Maybe if there was anything um, that you remember about Brother Philip that you would love to to share with us, uh, leave us a comment and let us know. Right by my sister's house. I remember I crawled up her steps, pushed her door open with my head, crawled in her house, vomit all over her floor, and passed out drunk in my own vomit. That was my life in a nutshell. That's where I laid. I laid there in the night. She didn't know I was there. I laid there, I don't know how long I was out. I heard a voice say, Philip. And I sat up and my head was a spinning. And I looked around and it was pitch dark. And I thought, you're just hearing things. I fell back over. I don't know how long I laid there. But I heard a voice say, Philip, so loud that I sat straight up. And when I did, I was sober. I looked around and I said, what? And there was a voice that said, come unto me and I'll give you rest. I never heard anything like that. I jumped up off that floor and I ran into my sister's room. I jerked her out of bed. She started screaming. I said, I come in here drunk. I passed that on your floor. I said, somebody called my name. She said, what do you mean? I said, somebody said, Philip, come unto me and I'll give you rest. I didn't know that was in the Bible. She said, Philip, that's the Lord calling you. I said, why would he call me? I don't know him. Why would he even think of me? How did he know my name? How did he know where I was? I, I just couldn't understand that. My heart was pounding so hard and so fast. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I said, what's he doing in here? Where do you come from? I mean, I had all these questions going through my mind. Why would he deal with me? Why would he say me? So I, I asked her, I said, uh, my other sister that's going to church, I said, call her house. She said, it's four in the morning. I said, I don't care what time it is, call her. She picked the phone up and I grabbed the phone and I said, listen, I said, somebody called my name and said, come unto me and I'll give you rest. I said, I don't know what's going on, but I said, if you got church tonight, I'll go. She said, we're still in revival. She said, that revival's been going on for six weeks. I said, well, you come get me and it's a Saturday night. So I, I walked the floors, I smoked cigarettes all day, and I kept asking my sister, why did he come in here? Why did he call my name? How did he know I was here? I didn't understand all that. And I'm telling you, when she showed up that night, my heart was a-pounding, and I was fighting with myself. Should I go? Should I not go? Should I stay here? And uh, I thought, man, if you stay here, you're going to drop dead. So I told her she'd come in to get me, and I said, I want to tell you something before we leave here. First one touches me, I'll knock him out. I said, I know how them churches are. They pull you to the front. They beat on your back. I said, they'll hold you down, say, turn loose, get up, or whatever. But I said, I'm telling I don't want nobody touching me. She said, Phil, honey, you just go. She said, nobody will touch you. I thought, how do you know that? I mean, I, I know how they work. I went to church with her and her husband that night. We walked in this church, and it was a small church, but it looked big to me. 
They had chairs down the aisles and chairs on the sides. And I looked up and my brother-in-law went all the way up to the front, sat down the second pew from the front. I thought, what in the world is wrong with that man? All these seats, and he goes up front. So I look around, and I didn't know nobody, so I went up and sat down behind him. I popped him in the back of the head and said, what are you doing up here? He said, always sit up here. Well, I didn't know that. I didn't know people sat certain places. So I sat there behind him, and the place packed out. I'm telling you, they were shoulder to shoulder, and I couldn't move. I was afraid to look at anybody. Every time I raised my head, it looked like they were staring at me. I thought my sisters told everybody in here about me. And I said that. I was so ashamed, so embarrassed. I, I wanted to get up and run out, but there wasn't nowhere to run. I mean, it was packed. So I sat there. I don't know. Brother Aaron Brock was preaching. I don't know what he preached. I don't know what they sang. I was afraid to look up. I sat there with my head down, and I just wanted to cry, but I wasn't about to cry because you don't cry when you're a man. You know, that's, that's a sign of weakness. So, And I never was used to crying. I was used to just fighting for everything I had to do in life. But I'm telling you, all of a sudden, they all started standing. And I asked my sister, I said, what's going on? She said, we stand. She said, they're having an altar call. We stood up. They started singing. And I remember, I thought, man, I got to get out of here. My heart was pounding. I was scared. And I kept looking out of the corner of my eyes. And I seen people with their head bowed, but they were looking my way. I could see them looking my way. And I thought, these people, these people know all about me. I got to get out of here. I stepped out of that aisle with my head down. And Brother Henson, I thought I was heading to the back door. I looked up and I was heading toward the altar. I couldn't believe it. I said, I got so mad I started crying. I started bawling. Then I got mad because I was crying. And I went to turn around and my legs gave out on me. I'm telling you. I'm telling you the truth. My legs buckled, and uh, people said, I don't believe it. You don't have to believe anything. It didn't happen to you. It happened to me. I'm telling you, my legs buckled, and I found myself crawling to that altar. I, and you know what? All them people, nobody touched me. I don't. I still don't know how they didn't touch me. They, nobody laid a hand on me. Nobody didn't touch me. I crawled to that altar. I was blowing snot. I was crying. I was mad because I was crying. I was hurt. My heart was pounding, and I thought, I'm going to die right here on this floor, sure as the world. And, and I didn't know how to pray. I did not know how to pray. I never prayed. I didn't know what to say but my sister told me she said you didn't pray you hollered she said you screamed I remember I laid on that altar with my knees and my elbows and I said God if you're real if you're really real and you could save my soul and forgive me of my sins then you save me and you have mercy on me and you give me something my mom didn't have and my dad didn't have and all these people I've seen through the years didn't have. I said, if you're really real and you can do that, Lord, would you help me? And if you can't do it, then leave me alone so I can go on because I don't want to be up and down, in and out. If this is real, I want the real thing. I looked up and I saw an arm reach down and it went right inside of my mouth and when he come pulling out, I come raising up off that altar. I'm telling you, when that arm come completely out of me, I come out of there and I was shouting all over the place. If you was right beside me, I was a hugging people. I didn't care if they was male, female, little, big, old. I didn't care who they, I never felt nothing in my life like that. I felt love for the first time and almost 30 years, I felt love in my soul. 
How did that happen? How in the world? I said, where did he come from? How did he know I was there? Why would he help me when nobody wanted me, when nobody cared and they thought I would have said I would be nothing? He came right in there, took my soul, washed it in his blood, cleansed it up and baptized me in the spirit of God and made me a new person all in one night. How does that happen? How in the world does that happen? I bawled and I cried. I said, I can't believe this. I feel so young. I feel so happy. I didn't, I didn't have a dime in my pocket, but I was rich in my soul. I didn't want to go to bed. They had to carry me out of the church, put me in the car. I'm telling you, I got home. I kept everybody up. They called my family and said, Phil got saved. They said, no way. Ain't no way. Phil got saved, telling you, no way. They all piled in the back of that church the next night, Sunday night. They had to come see are you kidding me? He got saved. Is this real? They had to come and see. I'm telling you, they got to singing them sweet songs of Zion. I come up out of that pew and shouting, running around that church. I didn't care. That was, that was the only bad thing, Brother Henson. I, I, it took the Lord a long time to get that out of me. I didn't care about people and what they thought, man. They didn't care about me for years. I didn't care about them. I, they, they tell me, sit down. I just smile at them, sit. I started sitting. I've sat all my life. This, this is real. I'm telling you, I had something for the first time in my life that, that, that took a hold of my soul and turned my life around. I'm telling you, I mean, I went to bed singing. Do you ever go to bed singing? I used to go to bed cursing. I went to bed singing. I didn't have to worry about what I'd done last night. I didn't have to worry about him coming to get me the next day. I'm telling you, God saved my soul. I went back to Fort Campbell on Monday. I was late getting back. I didn't care. Walked into the only room, and they were screaming and hollering, cussing me out for being late. And uh, me and the first sergeant never did get along anyway. And he said, what in the world's wrong with you, Morse? And I started bawling. I was bawling. I couldn't quit crying. I was a heaving. You thought, and, and everybody in the older room just got quiet. And everybody standing there staring at me because they'd never seen me like that before. They always saw me ready to fight and ready to scream, ready to holler. Ready. They'd never seen me like that. But all I could do was cry. They said, what happened to you? I said, I got saved. They said, what's that? I said, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I know I got it. Woo! How do you know? How do you know? I said, there's something inside of me. I said, I'm telling you, it changed my life. I don't cuss no more. I said, I ain't even said a cuss word in five days. I mean, how do you do that? I said, I ain't took a drink. I ain't smoked a cigarette. I said, I'm saved. And they just stood there and stared at me. And the first time I said, there's something wrong with you. I said, there is. There is. There's something wrong with me. Don't change it. I like the way I am for the first time in my life. He sent me to the chaplain, and the chaplain was a psychiatrist, and I didn't know that at the time. And he asked me what was wrong with me. So what's wrong with you, Sergeant? Well, I went through the whole thing, told him what happened, and he just sat there and stared at me. He said, get out of here. So I went out of there. I got out, went back to the room, and the first sergeant said, what did he say? I said, he said, get out of there. He started screaming, hollering, cussing. I started crying again. I just couldn't quit crying. Man, I felt that joy in my soul. I didn't care what they thought. I didn't care what they said. I thought, man, I have got something I've never had. Taste of me and see that I am good. I didn't know that was in the Bible, but that's in the Bible. I got one taste of him, and it changed my whole life. Can you believe that? They said, you'll never make it. I came home. 
I came home on leave, came back up to Cincinnati. My dad, he called me and he said, listen to me, son. He said, you need to go eat with me. He said, I got to talk to you. And I saw, we went out to eat and I was smiling and I was happy. Nobody ever seen me like that. Nobody had ever seen me happy in my family, I'm telling you. But I had a new personality. I had a new heart, a new mind. It didn't matter what they said or what they did. I'm telling you, the, the second night after I got saved, on a Sunday night, I felt so much joy in my soul, I jumped up and grabbed a microphone and tried to sing to the Lord. And a brother met me in the back of the church, and he said, I enjoyed that screaming. I said, I want to tell you something, brother. I wasn't screaming for you. I was screaming for him. I said, he saved my soul. It didn't matter to me if you liked it or don't like it. I'm going to sing no matter what anybody says. I had never sung, and now I got a new song, and I'm going to sing it. Glory to God. But my dad, he wanted to meet me, so he met me out there, and uh, we went to dinner, and he was he was mad. I could tell the way he was acting. He was mad. And uh and uh, I felt sorry for him. You know, God took all that bitterness out of my heart for my mom and dad, and I had a love for them. I hated them with a passion, and as much as I hate them, I turned around and loved them. I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works, but I loved them. And when I seen him, I cried, and I put my arm around him, and he shoved me off and sat down. I sat down, and we ate out the Colonial Cottage. He met me out there, and uh, he was... He was hitting his cup. Hit, when he slammed his cup of coffee down, he'd do it hard, his forks. And I just sat there and smiling. I mean, I was at peace. Man, for the first time in my life, I had peace. Folks, if you've never had peace, you can have peace. I'm telling you, you can have somebody that loves you. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to be all by yourself. Nobody told me that. Nobody ever told me that Jesus loved me. Can you believe that? People go to church day and night all the time and walk right by people and don't even tell them somebody loves you. Now, I don't know if it would have affected me or not. I don't know if I'd have paid attention, but I'd like to heard that, that there is somebody that loves you and died for you and to help you. I mean... That was amazing to me. I wasted all them years begging for somebody to love me. And here was a man that I never met come in and love me in the shape I was in. When nobody wanted me, he wanted me. I have never got over that. The other day, I was rehearsing this in my mind and started bawling and crying going down the road. I thought, why, Lord? Millions of people in the world why didn't you just let me die in my sins? But he loved me. Oh, what a love. Can't explain it. You got to experience it. You can't explain it. I sat there and my dad, my dad looked at me and he stuck his finger in my nose. He said, I want to tell you something. He said, I lived that life. He said, I tried it. I had the Holy Ghost. He said, I was saved. He said, I went around and helped these preachers. He said, you can't live it. You can't live it. He said, I'm telling you right now, you can't live it. He said, you're just, he said, I know I ain't been your dad. And I ain't know I ain't done nothing for you. And he said, but you're 10 times worse than I ever was. You can't live it. I sat there and I looked at him and I started crying. I said, you know what, dad? 
Maybe you're right. Maybe I can't live it. But he can live it. I said, he that came into my soul can give me strength to live this. And he got mad and got up and walked out. And you know what? 35 years later, I'm still living this glorious gospel. What a savior. What a redeemer. My, how great God is. My dad uh, walked in my office uh, and, and uh, August of 98 and uh, sat down and was crying. And uh, I asked him what was wrong and he said, uh, I thought I had kidney stone, found I got cancer of the kidneys. And he said, I'm dying. And uh, he got real bad uh, real quick. And, uh, of course, I was trying to take care of him. And we took out an insurance policy, me and my wife, the Lord, had dealt with me about taking an insurance policy out on him three years prior to that because he was an alcoholic and uh, he didn't have anything. So I was sitting by his bedside before he left the world and uh, just me and him. And I was holding his hand uh, and he opened his eyes, looked at me and he said, uh, I need to tell you something. I said, okay. He said, uh, I cashed part of that insurance policy in. Well, I, I started crying because uh, we had a hard time paying for that thing with five kids. And I patted his hand. I said, that's all right, Dad. I said, uh, we'll work it out. And he looked at me and he said, uh, I was wrong. He said, you're a good boy. I said, Dad, it's in the blood. It's in the blood. All them years they told me I'd be just like them because it was in my blood. I wanted him to know it was in the blood of Jesus Christ that changed my life. And he looked at me and smiled. But that tells you that the blood of Jesus can change you and make you new. Praise God. I still had 10 months to go in the military when I got saved. I got saved in 77 of August, the 28th. I got born again. Didn't even know that was possible. Met a man named Jesus. And I'm telling you, the holidays are brutal for people that don't know the Lord. I mean, it's a torment. I've been there, but I'm telling you, if you just get alone and kneel down and say, God, if you're really real, if you're really real, would you have mercy on my soul and help me and give me something that this world ain't got? That's what I said, and that's what he did. And the Lord has helped me ever since. Now, you know, After the Lord did that to me, it changed my life in such a way I never asked man for nothing. I never did anyway, but I sure wasn't going to ask them. After I found out this man named Jesus knew where I was and he knew my name, when I found that out, and I found that he knew all about my sins and how wicked I was and loved me enough to save my soul and fill it with his love and turn my life around, I'll never understand how you can drink for all them years and cuss and carry on and hate that bad 
And then one trip to the altar. One trip to the altar. He takes that old man out of you. Puts a new man in you. And you get up and you look at yourself and say, what in the world? How can he do that? But he does it. He does it. And no matter what anybody says, they can't take that away from you. Can you believe that? I finally got something nobody can take. <laughs> nobody can take. Now, I'm telling you, I never trusted nobody after that. And I don't mean to drag on here. I, I need to tell you a little bit more if I can. Now, I, I may stumble and fall when I tell you about how I was raised. But when I come to tell you about this man named Jesus, it does something different to me, see? Because uh, he's the one that saved my life. He's the one that turned my life around. No education. Still today, 64 years old, still has no high school education. What about that? So I'm sitting in the church that I came up on the weekends after I got saved and uh, sitting in the church, sitting on the pew, and I see that little wife of mine. She wasn't married at that time. And uh, I said, Lord, can I marry her? I didn't want to ask nobody. They never did ask nobody for nothing. I went about to ask nobody then. And the Lord spoke to me and said, marry her. I jumped up, ran over and grabbed her hand and said, I'm marrying you. And she just stood there and stared at me like there's something wrong with me. There was. I was saved. I was born again. And the, the master of my soul told me I could marry my wife. I said, I'm marrying you. And uh, it just dumbfounded the whole church. I know it did. Because uh, who's this guy that came in off the streets that was in the mess he was in, walk in here and... Uh, want to marry one of our little girls in the church. It didn't matter what they said. I talked to the master. So I told her I was going to marry her and didn't even have a job. Didn't have a job. My mom sent her a letter and said, don't marry him. He'll never be no good. He'll never work. He'll never be nothing. That's the way he always was. That's the way he always would be. I said, don't worry about that. I said, I'm going to marry you. So I prayed, and I sought the Lord, a place downtown, and, and uh, I applied for a job down there in a Dural paper bag. And uh, we was over in Cincinnati, and she was going to sell her piano. She had a little piano to get her a wedding dress because I wasn't working. And uh, ain't nothing like a boy in the church wanting to marry a girl and ain't got a job, you know. That just makes the church so happy. And uh, I could see everybody looking at me funny and talking around my back. I didn't care. Because the Lord told me I could marry her. And if he told me I could marry her, then that told me that he's got some plan for me, a job somewhere. And that he was going to take care of me. And they don't know about it, but that was mine and his secret. And just because I didn't know how it was going to go off don't mean it wasn't going to happen because I was trusting him and I believed him and I didn't believe man and I was going to wait on him and he was going to fix it. So we're standing downtown in Cincinnati and uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, go in this bank and borrow $500. Well, I didn't have a job. So I told her, I said, let's go in this bank. I'm going to borrow $500 to borrow the money to buy us what we need. We go in. I sat down. I told the guy, I want to borrow $500. And uh, he said, where do you work? I said, I don't. He said, you want to borrow $500 and you don't work? Oh, I said, well, maybe I do. 
I don't know for sure. And he sat there and looked at me. And I, he said, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, I applied for a job at Dural Paper Bag, and I don't know for sure if they're going to hire me. They're going to let me know today sometime. And he said, well, how much were they going to start you at? I said, I don't know. I didn't ask him. He sat there and looked at me some more. And then he said, do you mind if I call him? I said, no, call him. So he called him. And he said, I got a man in my office. He told him who I was. And he said he took a, had an interview with you and took a physical, and he wants to know if he's got the job. And I said, yeah, he's got the job. He starts Monday. And he said, well, how much does he make? And they told him. He hung the phone up. He looked at me. He said, you got the job. And he start Monday. I said, well, good. And he sat there and stared at me. And he said, now, why do you want this money? I said, I'm getting married. He pulled a check out. He wrote at it. He had me sign a paper. And he said, I'm going to loan you the $500. Now, I don't know. See, I, he, he didn't want to do that. But the Lord told him to do that. Now, I'm telling you, God will make a way where there is no way. If people learn to trust him, trust him. And, and so, you know, we, we got what we needed. We got, we got married. And I'm not even going to go through all that because it'll take too long. But we got married. But what I want to tell you is I didn't trust nobody but the Lord. Today, I don't trust nobody but the Lord. Every job I have, the Lord's told me where to go to work. And they said I couldn't work because I had club feet and I'd have to sit behind a desk and that I would be blind. You can see I'm not blind, I'm not bald-headed, and I don't have club feet. And I do have a job. And God gave it to me. And I do have a wife. And I do have five children. And they're all preaching the gospel. And they're all serving the Lord. And they're trying to win souls in this last day. So no matter how old you are, no matter where you are, you may be sitting by a dumpster pulling garbage out of it. You may be laying in your bed with nobody to love you. You may be alone, lost, wonder why you're even living. There's a man named Jesus looking for you. And if you'll call out to him, he said, I come to seek and to save those that were lost. Thank God. Because man will not help you. They can't help you. God will help you. And turn your life around. And I'm telling you, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory to wake up in the morning and to know that the Redeemer of my soul let me open my eyes. Is there mountains? Yep. Are there valleys? Yep. I had those when I was a sinner. <laughs> but I've got the master now. Oh, God's so good to us, church. The Lord's so good to us. He's blessed this golden coming. I praise the Lord. And I thank him for this great salvation. There's so much uh, to tell. There's so much that God's done. Uh, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for him. And I probably haven't scratched the surface, and I lost concentration on all my notes, and I knew I would. But I'm telling you, I don't need a note to tell you that God's real. And that he'll help you if you'll let him. And he'll save your soul if you'll call on him. So uh, at this time, if it'd be all right, could we stand? And uh, if anybody would like to give us a song and come pray, I'm telling you, this is the best time of the year. You know, I'd like to say this if I could real quick. Uh, 
this company I work for, they don't give out Christmas bonuses. So through the year, I would try to uh, scrap uh, everything we could to save money so at Christmas time we could buy a gift for our employees. We had five branches. I wanted to personally buy the gift and personally wrap the gift and then have them come in and present everybody with a gift. If it was, uh, And I tried, Brother Henson, to do it where uh, I could spend $100 on each person. And when we first, when I first started, we had maybe 20 people, and then it got to 30. Then it got up to 60, 70, 80 people. And so it would take me a couple of days to buy these gifts and wrap them. And one night while I was wrapping these gifts, <clears throat> I got to thinking, if I could wrap this salvation and put it under a tree, when these employees opened it the next morning, they could experience the same gift as me. And I got to crying. And as fast as I could write this, this came to me. I like to read it. This is Christmas. Greatest gift. I'll never forget the day I received the greatest gift of all. The gift of forgiveness of my sins, both great and small. And Christmas is a reminder of the giving grace of God. How some completely miss the meaning and others think we're odd. But oh, if I could wrap it as a gift and put it under a tree. And when you opened it on Christmas Day, you would experience the same gift as me. Your life would have such meaning, such joy and peace to give. No longer would you be sorrowful, but thankful for every day you lived. If I could wrap it as a gift and put it under a tree, then the world would understand and how happy life would be. There was a day God wrapped this gift in swallowing clothes, and he laid it in a stable. He gave it to the whole wide world for all of those that were able. Able to accept able to believe, able to repent of their sins, and able to receive. Folks, if we'll just believe and repent, God will help you and save your soul. And that's my wish for this year, that God would touch the hearts of people and give them that gift that he gave me. Praise God. Right, we're going to go ahead and end this episode here. Before we do, I, I did want to say, uh, Brother Phil was a wonderful man, and one, a couple of the things that I can always remember uh, of him is uh, being in services with him through the years, and his heart for God and his heart for family. If you notice at the beginning of his testimony, how he he shared about his, how proud he was of his daughter-in-laws and and his family and uh then uh my one of my favorite thoughts of him of course is uh you know last year we was with him at uh, youth camp and and watching him pray with his grandson as he gave his heart to god and things it was just his love for his family was was something that that 
was was just amazing to me and 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 things and and something that's rare for us for people to see today uh in the world it's often we think of everyone being um uh, so out for themselves and self entitled uh but brother Phil his his most favorite things uh besides God and church seem to be his family and and that's something that we really need in in the world today. So, if you have any more stories uh, or anything of of ways that Brother Philip uh, influenced you, or maybe prayed with you to camp meeting, or just uh, anything like that that you would like to share, send us in an email at defining the dash at yahoo dot com. Uh, leave it on a, in a comment uh, on if it, on Apple Podcast or whatever platform that you're listening on, and. And we would love to hear that. And until next week, keep on making every moment count. May God bless you. Thanks for listening. When I win this war.